welcome to Injury Prevention Podcasts. My name is Rod McClure. I'm editor of the BMJ journal Injury Prevention, and each month I chat with a distinguished researcher or practitioner about topics of their interest. Today we'll be chatting with Dr. Caitlin Jatalina. Caitlin is Assistant Professor of Epidemiology at the University of Texas Health Science Center at Houston. Hello, Caitlin. Hi, thanks for having me. Tell me about yourself. How are you? I, who am I? I am uh, Dr. Caitlin Jadalina. I am an epidemiologist. I actually call myself a violence epidemiologist uh, by training. And uh, a lot of my research focuses on the intersection of better identifying populations exposed to violence and how we can better address uh, the health impacts in the short and the long term of uh, vulnerable populations in the community. All right. Do you have a sense or can you tell me a little bit what you mean by violence? Is that a sensible question? Yeah. It, yeah. It's very fair question. Um, to, and, you know, I, I think a lot of people define it differently, but in the broad sense, it's uh, intentional injury um, with the, you know, to another human, the intent to hurt, uh, whether that is physical or it can even be emotional or psychological. And where did you start to get your interest in this topic area from? Yeah, so uh, so originally I, I, I was wanting to go to medical school um, and wanted to take a year off before medical school and get my master's in public health. I think a lot of people do that here in the States. Uh, you have this gap year before medical school. And, you know, during my MPH, I fell in love. I fell in love with epidemiology, but I, I felt like I was just brushing the top. Um, and so I needed a deeper understanding. And so uh, I applied for my PhD and got in and I was matched with a criminal epidemiologist at, in my doctorate program, a faculty member. She was Dr. Jen Gonzalez is one of the um, frontiers in criminal epidemiology. And she really focuses on and really got me exposed to a lot about recidivism and um, the the police and the justice system, uh, and it got me really exposed to interesting and very vulnerable populations. Um, during my doctorate, I remember, you know, I got to work with prostitutes. Uh, we would meet with them and do surveys. Uh, worked a lot with police officers, um, and so that's really what gained my interest. And um, I started taking her work and taking it to the next level and focusing on injury and specifically uh, intentional injury and violence epidemiology. And so then I got my PhD in epidemiology, violence epidemiology. And then I went and got my postdoc actually in health services research. Uh, because I noticed that these populations exposed to violence kept showing up in the hospital system uh, and people weren't detecting that they had, you know, this uh, horrific experience or horrific history. And so 
I started integrating the two once I got my faculty position on how can health systems better detect, treat, and then also refer populations exposed to violence. And so my research lab right now really focuses a lot on um, human trafficking, on intimate partner violence, on a child abuse. And then a lot of my research focuses on how police officers are exposed to traumatic events every single shift of theirs and how that impacts not only their mental and physical health, but also the interaction the police have with the community. And so I, you know, I, I absolutely love it. <laughs> I think it's very much needed for uh, research to continue going forward in this space and um, I'm honored to be a part of the conversation. I'm tempted to let you just keep talking uh, because <laughs> each new sentence comes into a different territory and opens up a whole new way of thinking. But I, I think we're starting to lose uh, at least me, if not the listeners, in some of your um, your, your progress because it is so fluid and, and, and fleet-footed. You, you said you started in public health and then you talked about epidemiology. Now, most of us see, most of, I guess, across the population, if you did a random poll, they would think of epidemiology in terms of infectious diseases, especially now in the uh, current context. Yeah. Uh, you went from a, a public health area into a, a highly scientific area of epidemiology, and now you're applying that to criminology and violence, which is a big <laughs> jump for some of us. Yeah, um, yeah. I understand where you're coming from, but could you sort of explain a little bit about what you understand in terms of what epidemiology is, what public health is, and then why shifting into criminology and, and violence was such a natural thing for you? Yeah, it's a fantastic question, and I'm not surprised that I'm losing you. Um, so, yeah, epidemiology in its roots was really uh, started off as infectious diseases. So how do diseases, how do viruses um, spread among the population? Uh, and what are those patterns of spread so we can prevent it? Now, early in my training, I, I was trained on, on this perspective. I, want, I originally was going into infectious diseases. I, I worked at the WHO in Geneva on HIV and AIDS. Um, I went to South Africa to work on um, how to better detect HIV among populations. And so then I started recognizing that, um, you know, a lot of infectious disease epidemiology, a lot of population health is not just the disease of someone, but also the environment in which that person is surrounded with. And we call this social determinants of health. And what this means is that we need to take the 360 degree view of a person, right? They don't just have that disease, but maybe they also have food insecurity. So they can't, they rather pay for food instead of pay for medicine. And so or, you know, they're homeless. And so their outcomes are a lot more severe than someone with high income that's, you know, has housing. And so when we start looking at all of these social aspects of a person, um, that really influences their health, both infectious disease, but also non-communicable diseases like, like cancer, for example. And we can take this model and even start applying it to violence epidemiology. And this is violence as a field started about 40 years ago 
when there were a few researchers in Chicago that found that there are clusters of homicides in Chicago, and those clusters mapped exactly to clusters of disease. So what that told us was that, you know, violence is not random. Um, it's very predictable. And if it's predictable, that means it's preventable. And so that is really what violence epi sprung from, um, that, you know, violence is contagious. It, it can spread among populations. And if we can figure out those patterns of spread, then we can start creating prevention um, programs for it too. You're about to cross that uh, divide between using epidemiology as a way of understanding causation to it then being a tool to support intervention. Could you describe a little bit more now about how one does that in the area of violence epidemiology? Yeah, so um, after looking at those clusters uh, about 40 years ago when this research started, it, this field then started to, to morph into suicide clusters. Suicide's very contagious. Uh, and so what that means is, you know, if a teenager, for example, has a friend that committed suicide, they are more likely to have suicidal thoughts. Um, or if they saw it on TV, they're more likely to have suicidal thoughts. And so trying to break the quote unquote transmission of this is um, what prevention, what public health is really all about is how do we create these programs to be proactive um, instead of reactive. Uh, and so, you know, that's where the field really started. And I've taken that, you know, as a, you know, primary, secondary, tertiary prevention perspective. Um, for my research, though, I think I mostly focus on tertiary prevention. So someone's already been exposed to traumatic events. You know, they've been in human trafficking for five years or something. They show up at the emergency department. How can we at the emergency department interrupt that cycle? How can we get them help without their abuser who's with them? No. Um, and how can we get them access to counseling services so they feel more empowered to leave the abuser? And so um, that, and we're not talking about one person at a time, we're talking about populations at a time. So how can we systematically screen people at the emergency department? How can we systematically make patient pathways to community resources easier for for populations exposed to violence. So we, we help many, many at a time rather than just one at a time. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but um, no, that's, that's, yeah. It, it does, although it, um, and it gets back a little bit to your notion of population health and situations and, and environments and contexts and underlying determinants, but uh, it does pick up aspects across a large number of disciplines, you must be able to hold some quite different concepts together as you go into this that uh, a lot of scientists don't need to because they can stay within a particular discipline. 
that is true. You know, I have I have a lot of expertise. Um, I have a lot of expertise actually in mixed methods. So, you know, collecting quantitative data like surveys and electronical medical records and marrying them to focus groups. So you can get a really comprehensive understanding of the problem that you would miss if you're, you know, just collecting numbers. I think the other important aspect of this um, especially in, in social epidemiology like violence epi is the value of multidisciplinary teams. Um, I, I can't, you know, underscore how important that is. I work on a daily basis with physicians, for example. Um, they bring their experience of patient level, uh, individual level experiences that can then help generate hypotheses for population level interventions. Um, I work with, you know, community stakeholders, so advocates or at nonprofits. Um, I work with biostatisticians, so you, it, it's a team effort. There's there's certainly no way that I could, you know, solve all these problems just on my own. I think that multidisciplinary aspect uh, is incredibly important um, in this field specifically. You were going through a growth stage as well as you are identifying areas of interest. You started off, for instance, thinking about pre-med. Uh, you then decided a public health degree was important. You were exposed to new experiences, uh, new areas of interest. Can you can you give me a sense and, and the listeners a sense of how you reacted to your context in that time, how you were thinking this through, how you were becoming engaged in different ways with the world around you. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting, um, not very straightforward path. You know, I got my undergraduate in physiology, so pre-med. I actually also got a degree in geography, and this was even before I started seeing that there was any sort of link between the two. Um, I just found geography classes really interesting. Um, and then it was my master's in which I actually recognized that the health of someone, the physiology is very linked to the geography, their environment. And so I started piecing that together. Um, and like I said, you know, I was, I think the best thing about graduate school, the, the most important thing, and this is how I mentor my students now, is that it, the experiences, you know, it's the only time in your life where you can get exposed to so many different projects um, and populations that you can start finding your passion in something. Um, and I really took that to heart when I was in graduate school. You know, I was at WHO in Geneva, South Africa, and then I started working with populations domestically, um, integrating the two. And uh, yeah, I started kind of just creating this path for myself. Uh, which I which I think helps um, kind of fill the gaps in what epidemiology is today. Do you think it broadened your perspective, these sorts of trips, these sorts of um, different communities you were part of? Did it help you understand things better? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it opened my eyes um, just to just, you know, if we're start, start talking specifically about violence at B, you know, the first project I was on is um, helping get prostitutes in the Dallas area uh, substance use help. And 
we had to go through the prostitutes pimps and I went to very unsafe places to get them their gift cards. And I just got to learn about their very traumatic stories and how that ultimately impacted their health and will impact the rest of their life because of this um, experience. And so, um, yeah, I mean, if I never had that exposure that my mentor um, provided, there, there's no way I, I would have found interest in this um, and, and made it my life goal to help. You're on a journey yourself, as you say, through a, an academic career. And this is a somewhat um, well-used question, but I think in, in your context, it will be quite revealing. Where, where would you like to be in five years with respect to your work, or even 10? What's ahead for you, do you think? It's a really good question <laughs> um, and a really difficult one. I think um, it's difficult right now because I'm also thrown into this all hands on deck response of the pandemic um, for the past 18 months in the United States. And I've had to do a lot of self-reflection. Like I think a lot of public health experts have had to do the past couple of months on deciding where my biggest impact is, where I can help the most. Um, I, you know, right now it is in academia. I, I love the flexibility of the job. Not only, you know, I have two little ones. Um, so being a mom is very, it's very nice to have a flexible, supportive job in that sense. Um, but I don't, I don't know if academia in 10 years is going to be where I'll be. I, I have gotten exposed a lot to policy uh, in the past 18 months. Uh, and I've really enjoyed it and started uh, dipping my toes into um, violence prevention policy in the United States. And so that's maybe where I'm, I'll end up, um, but I, I don't know. <laughs> well, one, so don't one really thing's for sure, you'll make an impact and uh, I'm sure we'll be able to read about it in one shape or form. It's been a fascinating journey. Thank you very much, Caitlin, for taking us through this. And uh, it's opened my eyes to a different way of looking at what we've currently understood in sometimes more traditional terms uh, about what injury is and what epidemiology is and how you can make a difference in the world. Yeah, thanks for having me. We've been chatting today to Dr. Caitlin Jatalina from the University of Texas Health Science Center at Houston. For those of you wishing to learn more about some of the topics we've discussed today, I encourage you to visit the journal's website at injuryprevention.bmj.com. Remember, you can download Injury Prevention podcasts from your favorite platform or app on the first Thursday of each month.